Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Maura Z, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, August 15th, 2018. And today we're reading from the big book. We are on page 96, and we will be reading the first paragraph and commenting on it. Important numbers for yesterday. Yesterday's 7 a.m. share ID, 11,785, 11785. And the 10 a.m. share ID, 11,787, 11787. Always preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And Jackie M., would you please read the 12 steps of OA for us? Yes, good morning, everyone. This is Jackie M. from New York, Recovered Compulsive Overeater for today. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Jackie M. And Nadia B., would you please read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous for us? Sure thing, Maura. Nadia B., 
Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut, the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, enterprise, with problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such should never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name should never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our problem Public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Yes. Thank you for your service, Nadia B. So how does our meeting work? Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. I will give general reminders. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the person speaking, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 96, and we will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph only. And I would like to ask Ms. Lisa B. if she would please read for us. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Maura. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. You are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. 
We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. To spend too much time on any one situation is to deny some other alcoholic an opportunity to live and be happy. One of our fellowship failed entirely with his first half dozen prospects. He often says that if he had continued to work on them, he might have deprived many others who have since recovered of their chance. Well, there's a few things that really jump out for me, and this is such a powerful paragraph, and it takes time for me to really digest, um, you know, what this book is trying to tell me. And it's a through living life, you know, through really putting it into practice. This whole book has to be experienced. I can't just read it. And, you know, I found through bumping my butt along the way, you know, I learn. So the first thing I wanted to share on is discouraged. And that means having lost confidence or enthusiasm, disheartened. And for me, that's a, that's a dangerous place for me to be, to lose confidence um, and to become uh, disheartened. Because that's a flame that's inside my heart that's burning, the passion that I have for this program. But I can learn to temper it and not be like a preacher and, you know, be ramming it, trying to ram it down people's throats. Um, And it just takes through practice, 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 practice. And um, I find that letting go of expectations, like if I don't have a sponsee that I'm working with, I start to get nervous. I feel safe and protected when I always have um, people around me that I'm working with. I love having people to work with. And when for some variety of reason I don't have anyone, um, self-will steps in there and I want to have someone now. And if I'm making calls or the calls are coming to me, um, I want it to go the way I want it to go so that I can get a sponsee, so I can check that off the list. And I just found that never works. Um, I have to ask for my higher power to use me as a vehicle to be useful. And I pray, first of all, to have clarity. Can I be helpful to this person? And how? How can I be helpful to this person? Um, The other word that really jumps out for me is desperate. And um, in the AA 12 and 12, there's a line that I love in step one. And it says that... um, Then and only then do we become as open-minded to conviction and as willing to listen as the dying can be. This person may not realize that they're dying and they may not realize that they need to be listening, listen as a dying person, but I can try through my own story. Excuse me, I was having a problem with my throat. (laughs) I can try and explain or share through my own experience of how I wasn't aware that I was dying and drowning and doomed, um, and how I started to see that I was dying, drowning, and doomed. I can only try and share that so that they can maybe tap into their desperation, but they have to see it for themselves. You know, there are so many people out there that are willing, and if I spend too much time on someone that maybe is not out of denial or in enough pain, and, you know, pain is really the greatest motivator. Food will be the one that convinces them. There are so many people out there Um, But sometimes they're out there and I'll be sharing and speaking with them, but I don't know that they're really desperate. It just takes time uh, to listen to them, listen carefully. And people don't always talk the way I do, so I have to be open-minded and just willing to um, spend time. But I found that prayer and meditation and just the willingness to keep putting myself out there, if I throw enough paint on the wall, something is going to stick. It definitely takes, it can take a lot of work, you know, to get a new prospect. 
So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Okay, good stuff. One of my favorite paragraphs. So if you'd like to share, please give me your first name and your last initial once, and I'll repeat it back. So please press star one if you'd like to share. Chrissy G. Chrissy G. Do L. Do L. Rasha K. Rasha K. Cheryl A. Cheryl A. Barbara E. Barbara E. Okay, we'll go with that group. I'm sorry, was that Ann C? Yes, that's perfect. Thank you. Okay. Um, I have Chrissy G, Du L, Rasha K, Cheryl A, Barbara E, Ann C. Chrissy G, please go ahead and get us started this morning. Sure. Hi, this is Chrissy G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic from New Jersey, New York, actually. Um, I this was really hitting home because I was obsessing this morning about my 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 work and it's interesting because my my career, what I do is I work with parents to train them to do certain techniques with their special needs kids to change their behavior. And it's it's really hard because they're not always willing to to do what I ask them to do, just like a prospect. And, you know, it's sort of like this overwhelming feeling of if if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And I need to save them. And, you know, I have to make them understand how important it is. And it's the same feeling I used to get with prospects and with people who I wanted to help in the program, this this um, ego-driven, I have to do it, I have to do it. And it's really, really interesting because this is so much, it's so much about me changing my perception and my attitude about life, this program. So when, when, I, take, when I take it all in stride and think about the fact, like um, the, uh, the reader first shared, the first speaker shared, it's like um, when um, people, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, but with this, with this parallel that I see with work and with uh, the program, it's it really it kind of like relieves my anxiety a lot because I've come further along in in finding people to work with and getting a good rapport with people. And I tried, I tried something once and it was really successful and I might try it again. But I just put out there that, you know, I'm looking for someone who is very self-motivated. I, I shared on the line um, to go through the steps and very self-directed and doesn't need a lot of prodding and pushing. Those were my exact words. And I had a really a lot of success with that with one of my sponsees, and I don't know if it was just a coincidence, but it's sort of like I need to I need to have someone who really wants to do this, and if they don't, then I then I can't feel responsible. And with that, I pass.
Thank you, Chrissy G. Do L, it's your turn, followed by Rasha K. Good morning. This is Do L, Recover Compulsive Reader from New York. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, uh, I, I love this paragraph. Do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. And and that's the whole whole thing. Um, but it also says, you know, if if the alcoholic um, person is desperate enough and, and wants to accept with eagerness what you have to offer, um, you work with that person. If if you find that uh, you know you're chasing after the man, it says, do not waste your time. Leave them alone. You know, do not work with that person because you're going to squander the opportunity to work with somebody that really wants to work with you. So I guess the question is, how do you determine, you know, uh, who's eager and who's not? Well, actions, actions will tell you, you know, actions speak louder than words. I've had a lot of prospects come to me and say, I am dying like a drowning man and I need this and I am willing to work with you and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And, and, you know, and we get into um, outlining the program of action and, and in a short time, they're like, you know what, I can't do this. Um, and they'll give me all sorts of excuses about why they can't do it. Um, they're already telling me they don't want to work with me, you know, uh, just by their actions, just by what they're telling me, just by what they're doing, um, you know, or or I ask them to call me at a certain time and they disappear for like two or three days or a week or, you know, and and or they don't call me back at all. So they're already telling me that they don't want to work with me. So why chase after a man that doesn't want to work with you? You know, uh, who are the ones that I take? The ones they're consistently calling me. I'm dying from this disease. I need help. Please help me. I'll do whatever it takes. Even though I don't like the suggestion, even though I don't like the step, even though it's going contrary to my nature, I'm going to try it out and see what happens. Those are the people I want to work with because they're desperate. They will do anything to get this and they will work the steps like their life depends on it. So it says here, do not waste your time chasing after a man. I do not call back people that don't call me back. I do not call people back that, um, that you know, are telling me they can't do this because, you know, their doctor told them that they can't do it. Uh, their mother or their therapist or, or whoever is telling them not to do it. Or, or they're saying, maybe I'm not a compulsive overeater or maybe I can't give up that binge food right now. I'm not going to waste my time with that person. You know, says, okay, I'll finish up with this one thought. Um, it says here very clearly that to do so would harm someone else that, that can recover within that time that you can be helping them with the time that you're dedicating chasing after that man. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Du L. Rasha K, it is your turn, followed by Cheryl A. And Rasha, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Would you spell it for me? My first name? Yes. R-A-S-H-A. -S -S -A. I was off you, by one letter. Jane, you know good morning. On. Yes, we are on page 96, the first paragraph only. Go ahead, Rasha. 
My name is Rasha Kay. I am a compulsive overeater and I live in Minnesota. Um, I This paragraph is really aimed at people who have had success in, in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I, I, I guess I want to kind of talk a little bit to newcomers who might be hearing this this paragraph and think, holy crap, what have I gotten myself into here? Um, really, I think that this paragraph can be a, a, a beacon to, to newcomers, too, in that, you know, relax, take it easy. Nobody's going to chase you down to be a part of Overeaters Anonymous. And if you're not ready, you're not ready. Um, and I'm really grateful that the, the sponsors that I've had in this program have been uh, non-shaming and blaming when I wasn't ready. They uh, kindly and sweetly and um, lovingly told me, I can only give you what I've gotten. I can only show you this program to my level of experience. I can only give you what worked for me. And if this isn't going to work for you, then I, then I must not be the right sponsor for you. But I really hope you'll stay with Overeaters Anonymous. So, you know, Yes, we. I, I think that the um, requirements are, you know, they're. This is not e simple, but not easy, right? Um, but one of the genius uh, genius things, many genius things about Alcoholics Anonymous, but I think one of the core ones, if not the core one, is is that it's our choice, and and it has to be. Um, lecturing and cajoling and shaming and blaming when I was in the food or when I have been in the food has not been helpful. It doesn't, it doesn't make me want to stop eating compulsively. <laughs> it makes me want to do it more. Um, and how genius to just say, listen, this is, this is the program that worked for me. And, and if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. Um, either you're not ready to do it this way right now, or you need to work with somebody else who does it differently than I did it. Um, God bless you. Please stay with Overeaters Anonymous. So I think that's all I got. I'll pass. Thank you, Rasha Kay. Cheryl A., it's your turn, followed by Barbara E. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Hi, this is Cheryl A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, like Rasha, I also... Um, was kind of thinking about it from the other side of things. And because I remember what it felt like to hear this paragraph, and I always felt so alienated somehow, like somehow this was a judgment. Um, because I, I've been in program 30 years, and I went through years in abstinence where there were sponsors who wouldn't work with me, not because I wasn't abstinent and not because I wasn't even showing up, but there's a level of work that I at some point just wasn't ready or willing to do and um, you know I would always have in my mind but I have fertility issues and I have all kinds of things going on and I have don't you know how much work I have to do and I'm up all night with my children and I had just I just lost pregnancies and um, I, I mean I, over and over and over and over there'd be a series of things in my mind that would explain away why I, it was okay, why I wasn't ready to do all those things. And 
I did have some sponsors that were filled with love as they shared with me that this disease is so serious. It, it, whatever my reasons were, weren't going to be enough to shield me and um, prevent me from a, a far worse bottom. And, of course, I didn't understand for a very, very long time um, the unmanageability part of the first step and what it meant um, that this program really wasn't just about stopping. If it were just about stopping compulsive overeating, um, it, it would it would be um, much simpler. But there there's um, deeper levels that I've experienced in recovery. Thank you, God, around life manageability. That it, it really takes something and. Uh, or, or there's a bitter end. There really, truly is. But that um, those people who spoke with me with tremendous love, as they shared with me that um, it uh, it wasn't going to work, um, I have deep appreciation for, and it really also drives me um, to, to to relate and understand to others. This isn't a judgment. Um, it really, truly isn't. And I just so deeply encourage um, anyone who is hearing any of this as, as alienation in some way to just hold on, to continue to pray for willingness, to continue to show up, to continue to um, pray for willingness to be willing to, 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 to follow the directions that are in there. It leads reminder. To, thank you. It leads to something glorious. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cheryl A. Barbara E., it is your turn, followed by Ann C. Did you say Barbara E.? I did indeed. Great. Would you time me? My timer has gone amok. Thank you so Got much. It. And Maura, thank you for doing this wonderful service. And this indeed is a wonderful chapter. What I focused on was do not be discouraged if our prospect does not respond. Search out another. If I stalk or cajole or persuade or convince them, I could do them more harm and myself at the same time. There are others out there ready and desperate enough to thoroughly embrace all the steps. I am only barely hanging on to myself. Their pain will bring them in. Whether or not the pain can keep them in is their affair, not mine. I'm just a guide, not a god. Originally, failure with a sponsor made me feel like a personal failure. That was my ego stepping in. When I wanted others to accept what I had accepted, I I was wrong. It's there, It's up to them. All I can do is immunize myself against that which allows me to compuls- compulsively take that first bite. When I restore faith in God and personal health to, to my compulsive overeating, who has lost all hope of recovery, this spiritual experience should not be ignored. The gift was not given to a doctor or a clergyman, 
by us who have been in the trenches with them. All we have is sobriety and personal change. We can't change an OA with others who reject or give us excuses. We just have to drop them and move on because there are other people out there willing and wanting the desire to recover. This is a beautiful program, and I know I felt like a failure when I couldn't get them to embrace everything. It's not my job to get them to do that. I'm just a humble servant, just walking the road, trudging the road with all of you. Thank you so much for allowing me to do this with you today. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Anne C., it's your turn. Good morning, Anne. Star one, Anne, to unmute. Sorry about that. Can you hear me now? I can if you can pump up your volume. Okay, putting the volume on high. Can you hear me now? Hello? And C? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Sorry, I apologize. Technology. No worries. Uh, thank you for your service today. Thank you to everyone who shared. I, I love these reminders, um, so many great ones. Uh, I am a recovering compulsive overeater, food addict, um, and very grateful to be in this program for many years. Um, and one of the things that I pulled from this too is um, that has been shared as well, but is this idea that you know I, my ego gets in the way to think I can know what uh, a sponsoree needs or wants or where they are in their process. And I have learned um, to be softer on the edges with myself and with them, and just accept that you know they're going through their own journey. You know, I was a I am, I was, I came into this program really a gutter addict, a gutter compulsive overeater, you know, and I was desperate, 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 and was willing to do anything. And so it's really important for me to remember that not everyone comes in the same way I did, and uh, just to be gentle. I recently lost a sponsor read. I have one that I, I've had for a long time, but I lost someone who's relatively new, and um, at first, you know, I, I kept reaching out, and then, I, and thank you for these words because it reminds me, um, put my energy somewhere else, um, and but keep a filament of connectedness. I think that's important, at least for me. Once in a while, reach out and just say, hey, I'm thinking of you. Hope all is well. And that is sincere, and it's not manipulative. It really is how I feel. I just want to make sure she's okay. Um, and I'm just learning in this program one of the core pieces, which is giving back what I have been so uh, graciously given and what has really changed my life. And um, that is such a blessing. And thank you all for being here this morning. I appreciate it. Bye, Pat. Nope. Off guard. Thank you, Anne C. Okay. We are on page 96 of the big book in the chapter Working with Others, and we are reading and commenting on the first paragraph only. It starts with, do not be discouraged. Who would like to share? Please press star 1 and give me your first name. Larry from Boston. Larry. 
Larry K, Katie G. Did I hear Pete? Richard Pete B. B. Pete B. Richard. Okay, hang on, hang on. Pete B. Richard. Ireland. I know that's not your last name. Uh, and Leah. <laughs> okay, I've got Russ M, Larry K, Katie G, Pete B, Richard from Ireland, and Leah M. Russ M, please go ahead, my friend. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, family. Russ M, recovered compulsive overeater outside of Philly. So, you know, when I when I hear this passage, I think I, I, me, control, you know, I can't force someone to come into this program. I cannot force them to be broken, destroyed, damaged enough to say, look, I have no other options. Um, and, I, you know, initially when I was taking on sponsees, I took it personal. But that's my ego. That's me. I'm trying to control things there. So I, I've been learning through you guys, through my sponsor, and uh, just working with others that, you know, I, 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 and my ego has to be reduced even in this aspect of the program. You know, this is not about me. Like, I can't heal anybody. I can't walk anybody through the steps. Yet, when I get a little recovery, I think I, I, knew, I know everything. So the best thing that I, I've learned to do is to pray for my sponsees and uh, let, let them be. The prospect, if, if they're desperate enough, they ate enough, if they're crushed enough, if they're, they're beat up enough, they're going to do what you say. They're going to do what the book says. They're going to do how the they're going to take on what the, how the program's laid out without fighting it. And, uh, you know, if, if I had it all figured out, I wouldn't be here. I know it's a cliche, but it's the truth. So even in sponsoring, even in prospecting, you know, the ego has to be taken out of it. And that that's a hard thing for me to do because I, I, you know, I couch it on I want to see people doing great and I hate to see people suffer. But in the end, I'm looking at myself, well, what did I do wrong? But that's not how it works. So I have to work on that. But uh, you just can't beat them over the head, which I do have a tendency to do. So thank you for letting me share. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Love you. Thanks, Russ M. Larry, good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Hey, Maura. (laughs) Come on, this is serious business here. Come on now. Okay, um, let me let me chime in on this. You know, I, I've had the privilege of uh, sponsoring, you know, different people over the years, and some of them have been very uh, patient and gentle and kind, and that's a that's a great thing. And and a lot of them, here's what they had in common: they weren't they weren't willing to do the work. I like dealing with you know kind and gentle and patient people, but I. What I've learned is, you know, pain and consequences are the greatest motivators for an addict. And, you know, even though it's, it's, it's sometimes we can form, you know, a bond with people and they have lots of good traits, I'm bailing them out of a bad situation by sticking with them in the context of this program. Now, if it wasn't this program and it's just a friendship and so forth, that's great. But what, I, what, what am I doing here? I am carrying a message. It's not my message. My message, I've told people, 
almost got me killed. I'm quite sure it will get you killed. Let's not follow my message. Let's follow the message found in our text here. You know, there's tough love. There's tough love. And that is the more compassionate thing for me. Now, I can still be compassionate, kind, and loving, but I'm not going to bail someone out by providing that daily emotional support where, how about you take my emotional temperature, I'll take your emotional temperature, and you go on and continue to eat. Because here's the deal. My obsession was lifted as the result of having a spiritual awakening from these steps. It is it is not correlated with your spiritual awakening that will drive out the obsession as the result of the steps. It is not. All The only thing that I'm called to do is carry this message. Whether you get well is not, if you get well, I can assure you it's not a notch on my belt, it's a notch on God's belt. I'm grateful for this program and I'm grateful for learning that carrying this message sometimes means I'm not going to gently and kindly and compassionately hold your hand and walk with you to your grave and allow you to jump in. Not going to do it. That's tough love. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Caught me off guard. Thank you, Larry Kay. Katie G., good morning. Good morning. Followed by Pete B. Oh, excuse me. Good morning, Katie. (laughs) Hello, it's KGG Recovered, Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston, and thinking about a couple lines, um, accept with a- eagerness. So not just accept, but like accept with, I looked up in my dictionary, eagerness is pumped, greedy, raring to go, um, and that he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by myself, and I've been thinking about my Overeaters Anonymous career, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't come in here on a winning streak. I didn't come in here because I liked the name Overeaters Anonymous. In fact, I thought it was the unsexiest, uncoolest name of a 12-step program, um, despite the fact that, you know, drinking laxatives and Ipecac and throwing up in the middle of um, the day in public, not very sexy, but, you know, um, there are some mental inconsistencies that I had. And, um, you know, the truth will set me free, right, but it's going to make me wicked angry to keep it clean before um, <laughs> first, right? And, um, and when, I have gone, when I have gone to, to sponsor, sponsors, you know, until I was really so badly mangled that all I knew, like I remember the panic in my DNA of calling a sponsor and being like, help me, tell me what to do, and my heart beating in my ears because I didn't know what she was going to ask me to do, but I didn't know how to not do it anymore. And it wasn't a matter of me convincing her any longer, like, I like you so much, I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. It was like this experience that I wish I could give to you. I wish I could give to you. But I was in so much pain, and I had been alone for so many years, trying to tackle this disease, that all I knew is that I needed help. All I knew is that what I'd been doing got me so broken. And so, like, if you can answer that question, like, how is what you're doing working for you? And I'm still convinced I cannot recover by myself. 
I mean, being an Overeaters Anonymous since I was in my late 20s and I'm entering uh, some new years now, um, you know, like I, there are deeper levels that I cannot recover by myself and I continue to find new layers in which I am desperate, dying, and doomed to continue to grow and change. And I go to my fellows, to my recovered fellows and say, okay, something's got to change. And again, it's like the, the, my heart beating in my ears. Things have to change. I've got to change. Help me. Tell me what to do. What I'm doing is not working. And it requires faith, right? Gentle reminder. Thank you. So if you can't trust anything else and all you know is what you're doing is not working that's enough and um god willing i'm going to keep showing up one more day and with that i pass thanks katie g pete b followed by richard in ireland good morning pete good morning can you hear me okay yes thank you uh pete b compulsive overeater recovered today by god's grace and mercy in pennsylvania and uh Thanks so much for taking the meeting. Uh, great, great shares this morning. Really, really good stuff. Uh, you know, here's, here's, the, here's my understanding of this thing. The only way that I could be unsuccessful in working with others is if I eat. Right? Like, I'm not, you know, we, we it, our literature says no human power, no effective mental defense. It doesn't say that lack of knowledge is our dilemma. Right? Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm carrying this message with the hope of keeping me abstinent. You understand? Like, it, it's not, you know, we, we, we don't have that power to do this to anybody. You know, I, Bill Wilson wasn't pacing the, 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 the halls of, of the Mayflower Hotel in Akron trying to help Dr. Bob. He was going to drink. And it was recommended to him that while he helped all those other people in New York, he didn't drink. He might as well try to help them in Akron. And that was the birth of Alcoholics Anonymous. Right? Like, you know, I have to, the more the merrier. This, working with others is the way out of me. I can't get out of me without you. Right? And, that, and, and we do that by trying to carry this message. And you know, I try, I, I try to take it, I try to take it as serious as I have to, and remember that the only thing I'm doing is carrying this message, and that's it. Your success and your failure is on you. Everybody's desperate on day one. Everyone's desperate on day five, right? But at 20, 30, 60, 90 days, a year, two years, right? Like, are you, are you that desperate? Are you that convinced that what you have? is deadly, fatal, and hopeless, right? Like, like did, did, did you all of a sudden, I'm sorry, did I all of a sudden get, gain some level of knowledge or some skill or something that wasn't there that now, that, that now I could say, well, I'm not, I'm not as hopeless, I'm not, I'm, not as, I'm not as desperate. You know, I need to be as desperate in day, whatever day this is for me as I was the first day that I walked in here in order to maintain my absence. That's got nothing to do with somebody else nothing to do with somebody else. And that has to do with my desperation. And when I'm desperate like that, I'll do whatever it takes. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Richard in Ireland, please give me the first initial of your last name and good morning. Good morning. This is Richard B. in Ireland. And it is good to be back. Um, 
Yeah, I'm going to try and work in um, what was read this morning with something that's been going on for me at the minute. Uh, the last couple of weeks, um, I had a spinal um, procedure, an epidural into my spine for a back injury, and it hadn't worked. And I got really frustrated, and I was lashing out at my higher power, and I was saying, screw the program, rather than working the program. And I'm looking at the text. I've kind of written like a couple of notes here, and I've said to my sponsor, do not be discouraged if I go quiet. I need to hit a spiritual bottom. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that I hit a bottom spiritually, uh, that I cannot do it by myself. So, yeah, I hit the spiritual bottom and I was lashing out and I didn't want anything to do with the program um, or my higher power for a couple of days. Um, and I got some tough love from my sponsor. Um, and that tough love just came in a, in a text that said, um, do you, sorry, can you tell me what it is you want from me? And that made me think, oh, gosh, does she think I'm, you know, that she's failing me? And um, that was tough love in a way. Um, I was talking to my best friend in South Carolina, and she's in program, and she was saying to me, when I was saying that I'm, I'm in all this pain, I was crying in pain. And um, she was saying, I've got one last, last thing, one last trick up my sleeve in my box of tricks. And that is for you to reach out to another still suffering compulsive overeater. And I challenge you to not talk about your pain. And I did that and it worked and it brought me some sanity back. Um, so, yeah, I suppose to spend too much time on any one situation is to deny some other uh, compulsive overeater an opportunity to live and be happy. So what I was doing, I was spending so much time on myself, on my self-centeredness, on my selfishness, um, that I was denying an email that was sat in my inbox for a couple of days uh, that was held up before it got to me. And um, in the end, I replied to that email and it grounded me. So, um, yeah, that's me. That's my take on the reading this morning. And I will leave it at that and pass. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Maya M., it is your turn, please. Thank Good you morning, very much. Maya. Good morning. Thank you. You are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. And if you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. You know, willingness is an inside job. And uh, I look at my own personal experience in this. You know, I came into OA in 1987. And, uh, you know, okay, I, I there. <laughs> I, I wanted some help, and I got a variety of sponsors, and at times, you know, I was submissive and did, you know, what I was supposed to do and followed directions, and at other times when things seemed to be a greater priority, I didn't. Um, the disease continued to progress, as it does, 
And five years later, I was eating with an urgency and desperation that I had never known before. Um, And, you know, at this point, I was ready to surrender. (laughs) And I look back, you know, I also have had a couple of life and death experiences, you know, in my life, medical experiences where my life was on the line. And when I, when those, you know, rescuers came to me, ambulance uh, assistance, medical assistance, came to me, it was a throwing of myself at them. Whatever, you are the experts. My life is at risk here. Please, whoever you are, and I didn't even know their names, of course, help me, save me. It was the same thing in 1987 when I was ready to recover. Uh, You know, you in whom the problem has been solved, this is a life and death matter. This disease has beat me into a bloody pulp. Tell me, teach me, take my hand, please save my life. You know, man reaches highest when he's at his lowest. And that, has, that, that lesson, you know, has served me well because, you know, it's decades later and I still have that respect for the illness. When you're being chased by a gun, it's not the love of running that keeps you going. It emanates initially from pain and fear, but it grows into a healthy respect of the disease and its power and what I'm up against even decades later. So, you know, there is a difference to me regarding submission versus surrender, and I can hear it and I can feel it in working with another. And I'm not the light, you know what I mean? If if I forget that I'm not at the light, the light, you know, I am not the light. I'm simply a lantern that shines light on my personal experience so that someone else can have their own unique spiritual experience. And if they're not at that point, that's okay. You know, that's okay. I, you know, in a friendly manner, you know, they kind of weed themselves out and, uh, you know, let the let the disease do its job if indeed they are a real compulsive overeater. If we don't deal with the disease, it will deal with us on an individual basis. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Leah Ann. Uh, we have time for uh, two shares. Hi, Julie two R. Minutes each. Margaret D. Lisa J.R. Margaret D. And there's someone that's calling. It sounds like from a, a car. I can't hear you. Say again. Yeah, Julie R. Julie R. She's <laughs> always in the car. Okay, I've got Margaret <laughs> D. and Julie R. You each have two minutes, please. Margaret D., please go ahead. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes, clearly. Thank right, you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, uh, my thoughts jump way ahead to that line in the big book that talks about as we trudge the road to happy destiny. Um, so as a as a sponsor, I think I'm just a guide. And so what am I guiding? I'm, I'm trudging this road. And if I think about like maybe Lewis and Clark and the, you know, the expedition, if their job was just to go from point A to point B, if you wanted to go, fine. If you didn't want to go, that was fine, too. But when the canoe left, you better have your butt in it, you know, or you were going to stay. You were going to be left whatever. Well, 
um, if somebody did decide or does or do decides to jump in the quote-unquote canoe with me, then all my job is to do is to say, you know, maybe you should lean a little bit more this way, or if you keep leaning that way, you're going to fall out of the canoe, or because that's what happened to me. If you jump around in the canoe, you're, it, the whole thing's going to tip over. So I just offer these suggestions because I've done this stuff. I have tipped over a bunch of canoes. I have, you know, every mistake that you can make when you're in active addiction bingo, I've definitely done it. So, you know, I think maybe that might be where, you know, we hear that we're supposed to offer our experience, strength, and hope. And if somebody wants to listen to it, yeehaw. And if they don't, um, my sponsor used to tell me, um, leave them alone. Gentle reminder. I'm on my way out the door now. Um, but my sponsor used to say, leave them alone because either the disease will check in or it will kill them. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Margaret D. Julie R., it is your turn. Good morning, Julie. Right. Good morning. Thank you, Maura. Julie R., recovered compulsive overeater on the way to the airport. Uh, so, you know, what does this mean? So I either work with others or I eat, and I don't go chasing people who might not be ready because I could spoil a chance for later on. But does that mean that I kick them out the door? No. I mean, what I, I have a couple sponsees who for a year they weren't ready. And, you know, I worked with them and they ate. I worked with them again and they ate. And then I would just check on them. I would send them a text. Hey, how you doing? A month later, just thinking about you. I'm here if you need to talk. And a year later... When they were desperate, it was really kind of funny. Both of them, they live in two different states. About a year later, they were desperate, and they called me. And one of them has three and a half years, and the other one has over two years. I didn't chase them, but I didn't forget them. And that's what somebody did to me. You know, when I was in my uh, relapse four years ago, people would check on me and call me and say, I am here. They just didn't um, forget me. And, you know, I have a responsibility as a recovered woman to, to extend my hand to the still-suffering compulsive overeater and not to see how many people I can sponsor or how many phone calls I can make in a day. But how am I helping? When, you know, when I do my nightly review, how is I of service? You know, those questions. You know, how, how did I help another? I, I put that down. You know, reaching out to somebody who's, and if they're not in the food, but they're living in the bedevilment, you know, how can I help somebody living in the bedevilment? Because if I don't do that, that means that Julie's in charge. And when Julie's in charge, that is an ugly, ugly thing because I'm resentful, I'm manipulative, and I'm dishonest. So by sponsoring, I get to stay stable. You know, not perfectly. My food, of course, black and white, 100% perfect. reminder. Amen. Thank you, Maura, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Jules. All right, Julie was our last share of the day. Oh, my goodness, such good stuff. So thank you to everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Today's share ID, 
11,793-11793. And I will now close. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Susan H., will you please read 164, our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Susan H. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. We ask, ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.